The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. podcast we are your hosts i'm steven and i'm kyle thank you so much for tuning in today and thanks for telling all of your weird friends about us that's the best thing you could do for the podcast keep the grassroots growing more listeners the better which brings in more stories and more dope shit today i'm gonna bring you guys some little tidbits of cursed objects that i've came across which is kind of cool yeah it's definitely out of the norm for us yeah if anybody has any cursed objects they want to send to us let's go send them over but before we get into that we got to go through the business so check us out at all of our socials facebook instagram youtube twitter tiktok search up the hollow sky podcast find us there come and hang out share memes weird shit you know the drill just come and be part of the community if you have a paranormal experience you'd like to share with us, Kyle's going to tell you how to get it to us. You can use your smartphone. You can record yourself on anything that'll record yourself on your smartphone. You can shoot it over to the email, which is going to be hollowskypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can write your story out, send it directly to Steve, and then Steve will read it on the show. Neat. Which he loves. And I do love reading. I enjoy it as well. Kyle enjoys listening to me read. Yes, yes. That would be the proper correction on that. But yeah, you guys can send video over. You can send audio over. Whatever you want to do. Just live your life. Yeah, we can figure it out. Just if we can't figure it out, that sucks. True. <laughs> um, next, if you'd like to support the show, we have a Venmo set up where you can buy us one of these delicious... Monsters, I've already opened it, so you don't get to hear that. Yeah, and I already drank mine, so. Thanks for everybody that's throwing a little bit of cash into that thing. We appreciate you. Absolutely. We also have a Patreon set up. You can go over there and check out the tiers, see if there's anything that perks your interests, see if there's any 
swag you'd like or if you'd like to get some extra content listen to kyle play roll the dice yeah it's pretty fun and we'll go come over and hang out there i need some wd-40 on this chair it's squeaky as a motherfucker squeaky too um we also the best way that you can support the podcast is hop over to wherever you listen to your podcast your preferred podcatcher if you will and leave us a dope ass rating and review Preferably five stars, but whatever your preference is. If you do leave us a five-star rating and review, I will gladly shout you out on a future show. If you shouted us out recently and you haven't heard it yet, that's because we have gotten so many, which is definitely a good problem to have. Yes. Because it's so fucking awesome. You guys are like, I got like 200 in the hole. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I'm trying to keep track of it and... Chartables being dumb. Any anything from outside the United States gets like folded in with everything else, and it's hard to see. And I'm trying to keep them straight, so just bear with me. Keep them coming, but bear with me. Yeah. Today's five star rating and review is from our friend Hearthstoner. They say five stars. Stay weird. Honestly, I'm a huge fan of shows like this and listen to a lot of them. But these guys have stories I've not heard, like The Man from 3036, great episode. Thank you. And new facts I've never heard of, like from stories like The Dot Love Pass. It's also cooled. It's also cool that I've never heard them say anything as crazy or didn't happen. It's a great place for people to get their stories out and not be criticized. Thank you all for what you two do. Stay weird. P.S. My mother in law is from Marshall, Illinois. Do you know that town at all? And if so, do you have any creepy stories from that area? Well, first off, Stoner. Thank you so much for taking the time to write us out that little review and leave us this five stars. Again, it's my favorite part of the show, listening to what you guys think of us. Kind of a little jolt to the ego. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, we like to keep an open mind here on the Hollow Sky podcast and really not cancel anything out, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, we've Life had our... fucking weird. Yeah, we've had our own encounters... And anybody out there could just as easily say, you guys are full of shit. Yeah. It's not a good approach to take. No. And I mean. You can be skeptical without being a douche. That's true. That's probably (laughs) very well said. (laughs) That's where I'm at. Yeah. You can easily be a skeptic and have an open mind. I mean, apparently our, never mind. I'm not even going to go there again. (laughs) I'm sure he'll leave another review, but he'll probably get more pissed if we don't say anything. That's true. Um, as far as Marshall, Illinois goes, I do not know where Marshall's at. I don't either. I'll probably, it's probably north or south. <laughs> Dope. I'm good at you, geography. You absolutely just nailed. <laughs> I was going to search it up, but anyway, I don't know where it's at. If any listeners are from around the Marshall area, hit us up if you know of any cool urban legends or haunted houses or buildings or cryptids or weird shit. That way, Hearthstoner can uh, get a grip on it, and yeah. so can we, because dope shit from Illinois is dope as anywhere else. I guess. <laughs> not there's, if you ask Kyle. There's not very much dope shit about Illinois. Oh, Pisaw Bird. Yeah. Well, Hopefully that's, that's real. Fucking literally about it. <laughs> that's including us. That's true. Anyway, on to our <clears throat> listener encounter of the day. It comes all the way. From one of our favorite places on the planet. Where everything is going to try to kill you. The land down under, Australia, from our good friend, Jeff. Uh, yeah, g'day fellas. Uh, Kyle, Steve, 
fellow holoscites, uh, I guess is what we're called. How's it going? Um, so my name's Jeff. As you've probably worked out, I'm Australian, so I'll be giving you a whole bunch of fun stories from down under. A whole bunch of spooky spookiness. Um, this is gonna. This will be my first of several listener stories of the day. And with all the stories that I submit here, I will change everybody's names uh, except mine. But every, everything else is 100% my remembered experience. So, yeah, cool. Look, I, um, I grew up in what I can only describe as a haunted house. Almost Skinwalker Ranch-ish uh, in its variety. It's about 20 kilometers north of Sydney. And um, to this day, I have a very hard time trying to work out exactly what was going on. It was time shifts, doppelgangers, ghosts, poltergeists. Uh, I had one or two creepy things running around outside, staring in the windows. And this is all, you know, before I really developed a, a mad interest in the paranormal as well. So I don't even know what they were at the time. I mean, I knew doppelgangers and poltergeists, but, you know, time shifts and stuff. I was like, Pfft, mm. So anyway, uh, today's story is not that story. So, haha, trolled you. Today's story happened about uh, two blocks away from that house on my way home, downhill towards the creek. So, um, it's about July 2013. And I was driving back home through a very cold, damp and windy night. Uh, it had been pouring all day and um, it's middle of our winter. And it had only just turned into like this chilly, drizzle, horrible thing as I made my way home at about 8, 9 o'clock, I guess. So for all you car enthusiasts, uh, I was driving a uh, red 92 Commodore VP. Uh, for anyone who's unfamiliar with Australian cars... It is basically the car that a toddler will draw when you ask them to draw a car. But anyway, look, I'd done it up. Dope sound system, a few tricks under the hood. And I thought it was pretty sick. So, yeah, I was driving this hunk of shit downhill towards these twin roundabouts, which sit on either side of a creek. And they're connected by a, uh, a small stretch of road. Uh, it's not a bridge. The road doesn't so much go over the creek as the creek goes under the road through a tunnel. Um, but as I get closer... I could see this young woman uh, haphazardly running uh, through the intersection, into the intersection, and I thought, well, that's a bit weird. So I get closer, and she's wearing nothing but this thin, flowy white dress. It's practically a 90. Um, and I know how cliche this sounds, okay? I'm driving at night, there's a woman in a white dress, like, ooh, does she hitch a lift and then disappear from the back seat? No, no, no. No, nothing like that. Um, I can't help the wardrobe choice. If you want to picture her in a tuxedo... If that makes things better for you, go right ahead. But um, I'm afraid that that's what she was wearing, as cliche as it is. So I drive into the first roundabout, and she's caught my headlights now. And I instantly recognize her. It's my ex-girlfriend's younger sister. And she's a friend of mine in her own right. Um, and for today's story, we're calling her Kara. I just I have one note in front of me, and it says Kara, so I don't forget. Um, so Kara, not her real name, She's got absolutely no regard for her safety right now, okay? Like, she's um, she's just flailing about in this chilly, wet night, um, you know, barefoot, all over the road, um, kind of running in a certain direction, or perhaps away from something as well, you know? Um, but as I as I drive through the intersection, um, she's I pass her, like, no less than, like, a foot away from my driver's side door, and it's without a doubt her without a doubt, and she's temporarily stopped now, and she's staring right into me as I pass, and that's a pretty careful word choice on my behalf, she's staring into me, not at me, into me, uh, it's creepy, I've never seen a look on another human's face like it, it was, 
uh, I don't know. I mean, it was somewhere between anguish, um, insurmountable fear, perhaps even anger. Like it was, it was terrifying. And uh, now, now I'm going to pause here and just say that she was a truly lovely girl. Okay. Um, she, she's had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of personal tragedy, but a lot of joy, uh, you know, and, but that said, it would not have been out of the question to find her in a situation like this, um, perhaps to do something silly or something that would cause her harm. So I'm a little concerned at this, obviously. Um, so as I drive past her, as I'm driving past her, staring at me or into me, um, I check my side mirror and she's just starts to move again, uh, a bit erratically, but she's looking back at me. And I instantly know that something is really wrong, really, really wrong, right? So as I enter the second roundabout now, um, I look through my window, my bright window, and she's still there. And she's frantically looking around, kind of on the ground. She's frantically looking around on the road, uh, but not really moving towards either bank, just pretty much in the dead center of this crossing of road and river or creek. So anyway, um, she's, I'm, I'm just like, oh, shit, 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 shit. So I mount the grass, I've whacked the handbrake on, I've bunged the hazards on. I look out towards her, I'm thinking, well, perhaps she didn't recognize me because, you know, her panic is visibly rising. So I look out at her, I boot open the door, I jump out, I slam the door, I look up again, and she's gone. Nothing. Like, it's just the cold, windy drizzle. My hazard lights, they're just going like this black intersection is just being lit intermittently with my orange lights and like that's it gone um and the only place she could have gone to was over the side um over the railing you know, in into the creek into the creek uh so you know all other three directions have got really good visual coverage i would have been able to see it if she'd legged up the hill because it would take a while you know, or if she'd um, gone down the footpath on the other side, like it, it would have taken more than a few seconds for her to get out of sight. So the only thing she could have done is gone over the side into the drink. I'm like, oh shit. So I've run over and I'm shouting her name. I'm like, Cara, Cara, it's me. It's Jeff. It's okay. It's just me, Jeff. It's me, you know. And of course there's nothing. So I've just run to the railing, hit it with both hands. I look over the edge. My panic is growing now. And uh, as I said, it had been raining, right? So this creek has now swollen to the point where it could feasibly be called a river. So congratulations there. Creek got an upgrade. But um, she wasn't below, all right? She's a pale girl in a white dress, blonde. You know, she would definitely show up against the dark, raging waters, uh, the dark trees, the dark everything. Um, she was nowhere to be seen. I mean, it's not necessarily a fall that could kill you going over the edge. But you could definitely do yourself a mischief. Uh, I reckon you could knock yourself out and then drown in, in like two foot of water. Probably drown in an inch of water if you're, you know, particularly unlucky. Anyway, a uh, bit, bit of a dangerous situation. The only place you could be now has, is the currents taken under the road and spatter out the other side. So now I'm the one who's running across this intersection with the same disregard for my safety that she'd just shown moments before. And I look over the other side and there's nothing. There's rocks, there's water, nobody. And I'm shouting her name. I'm looking up and down the road, even though I know she couldn't have got that far and hid. Um, I run back across a third time and I just, I just, you know, hoist myself over the railing myself uh, onto, onto the bank. Because, yeah, there, there is obviously bank on either side of this. And um, the right-hand side has a taller bank that you can get onto and start to climb down. So I'm inching my way down this dark shoreline, I'm looking under the bridge, and I'm, I'm just shouting again, you know, it's only me, it's okay, whatever's going on, you know, where are you, and my voice is echoing in the tunnel, but there's just no one here, 
And this is before there was torches on your mobile as well, um, or cell phone, I guess um, others may call it. But yeah, no, no torch, nothing to illuminate what's going on. And um, by now we've fallen well below visual range of my car, so the headlights aren't doing squat either. Um, so I can't see anything. So I fumble around for my phone in the dark, and I do the first thing that's come to mind, which is call her sister, my ex-girlfriend. Um, look, I don't even know what to say. You know, I don't know what I'm going to ask, but uh, the phone's ringing, and I'm just thinking, ooh, and she answers the phone. And the first thing that I ask her in a panic is I said, have you seen Cara? Do you know where she is? Which is a bit nonsensical, I know, but I had nothing else prepped. Uh, it's just one of those situations, I guess. And then she replies, oh, yeah, nah, she's, she's here next to me. Why? So uh, I'm just, you know, I'm wet up to the shins. I'm in this dark tunnel. I must have the dumbest look on my face because I don't know what to make of it now. Um... I'm just looking around in the greatest confusion, you know, that I've ever felt, I reckon. And, yeah, she says, yeah, no, she's she's next to me here. Why? We're just up at the shops. Do you need to talk to her? I was like, no, 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 it's all good. Um, what would I say? You know, and I'm even more puzzled now. I'm just, what? And so she says, why? What's up? Um, and I just said, well, look, I mean, I've, I'm down here by the creek. I've nearly hit her with my car. She's She's gone over the side. Um, and I begin to explain to her what I've seen as I make my way back up the side of the creek, you know, towards solid ground. And I tell her everything. And um, she says, I believe you. Which is not usually the, re the reaction that you would get um, from someone when you tell them the person beside them is several kilometers away drowning in a creek. Uh, people don't get that level of trust from a current partner, let alone an ex, so I was pretty happy with that. Um, but, uh, yeah, she's like, nah, I believe you. I know what your connection is like to the paranormal. And that's when <sighs> I was truly shocked because, you know, paranormal hadn't even entered my head this whole time because um, what I'd seen was so real. I was used to seeing doppelgangers and realistic, very realistic, seemingly tangible apparitions uh, quite regularly, but that had almost exclusively always been at home. And this was downhill from my house, of course, but, you know, I'd never seen anything uh, this solid in the wild before, but it was also the only explanation that I had. Because, yeah, no one could have run out of the middle of the intersection that fast, um, not the time it took me to, you know, get out of the car, slam the door and look again. Like, that's, that's a split second. Uh, even going over the edge and into the water would have been you know, a stretch. It would have been inconceivable because it was the closest point of disappearance that she could have had, but still, nah. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously being my ex, she knew me very well and I told her and she'd been in my house, so she knew that the uh, paranormal loitered around me like a bad smell. Um, but I know what I saw, like I do. I know who I saw. Um, I saw them, obviously, to the point of where I'd left my car running, halfway up the footpath. Um, called my ex from a freezing tunnel after shouting her name through the night, uh, her, her sister's name, I should say, through the night. But no, Kara was safe. Um, she neither her nor anybody else could have disappeared in that second. There had been nobody there, at least not in an earthly sense, I guess. So, yeah, um, all these years later, I mean, I've never really been able to come to terms with seeing her there. Like, I drive that way fairly regularly, obviously, being so close to my childhood home. I often try to gauge the distances you'd have to run from the centre to any sort of cover, and it is too far. It really is. 
Um, and I also don't know why I'd see her in particular. Like, out of all my experiences, this is the only time um, Kara appears, right? Now, as I did mention before, she's a truly wonderful person, but her life is not without personal tragedy. Um, her partner, who was another childhood friend of mine, like, I think I was like five when he was born. We kind of grew up in the same neighborhood. Um, he worked at the family business down one end of the street, and only a few years later, he would be, very sadly, uh, found dead at the other end of the street, leaving behind her with their infant child. Um, you know, uh, and before the development of the area, that creek also ran parallel to the road, connecting the two events. And I've heard so often how moving bodies of water have a connection to, you know, paranormal events and can link to things and whatever. I mean, if that vision was in some way a harbinger of things to come. It was a really rubbish one. Like, it's given me no clues or insight at all. Uh, what, you know, what are you supposed to make of that? So, I don't know. I mean, there's also the possibility in my mind that it was another apparition, like another individual that just was showing me a familiar face, which is not unusual, um, at least not in my life. I can see why you would think it's unusual, but not for me. Um, I can't think of any horrific events down there, though. Like, I do know in the early 1900s, like 120-odd years ago, young schoolboys would go down there skinny-dipping, and the young schoolgirls would join them, um, using the excuse of slipping on the wet rocks. And then when the parents would ask them why their undergarments or their uniforms were wet, they'd uh, say, yeah, I slipped on the rocks. <laughs> so, yeah, highly inappropriate, lots of fun. Um, but I don't know if something might have happened there, which could explain a girl running around dressed like that. Um, maybe an experience lost to the passage of time that's left behind an energy at that location. I don't know. Um, I also know that that creek was used in wool production historically before that as well. Um, they'd wash the fleece down there uh, before setting it out. So I don't know. I, ex I expect less of a connection there. Anyway... Um, for the obvious questions, look, I know I said it was around 8 or 9 o'clock at night, and yet they were up at the shops, shopping. Um, depending on where you are in the world, that might have sounded like a contradiction, but no, no, no. We had a few shops that stayed open till midnight. One of them was 24-7. And so to have a beverage-fueled, pyjama-clad shopping trip at a weird time of night was a pretty enjoyable experience for a lot of locals. And, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. The old Commodore, long since sold, so I'm sorry about that. If anyone wanted to buy the car from me, it's uh, Gonski's. And I'm still friends with everyone involved to this day. And for, for anyone who's concerned, particularly after the last um, bit of information, um, Kara, assumed name, uh, she's now living a very happy and stable life um, with her with her young child, and she's she's found love again, and life is really really good for her now. So, so that's nice. Uh, she's fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. Um, how are you? Yeah. Uh, either way, that's all I have on this sighting. Uh, the vast, 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 vast bulk of my other experiences uh, have all been at home between 1990 and 2014. Um, that said, out of all my experiences, this one was actually the least creepy, the most mundane one. So uh, that, that might give you hope for the future. Um, I'll get on to recording the other parts when I can. But either way, strap in for a wild ride when I return. But uh, for now, back to the fellas and uh, stay weird, everyone. First off, Jeff, thank you so much for submitting your story. It was very well spoken. Yeah. And well recorded. For sure. It sounded awesome. And I just want to say that if we ever decide to get a third host, you got your name in the bucket because you're funny <laughs> as fuck, dog. 
Yeah, your description <laughs> of the car was fantastic. Yeah, Kyle about lost it when you said I did. hunk of shit. So. Yeah. And then the way you describe it, like a picture the car the way a kid would draw it, and that's what the car looked like. <clears throat> I love how you primed us for this whole huge, like, down Our- under skinwalker ranch. Yeah. Just all this weird shit, and you're like, but that's not the story we're going to tell today. Yeah, you like you are purposely creating the next Stardust series. But not telling us. Yeah, so good job on that one. On to the actual encounter. Uh, that's weird, dog. It is weird. I'm um, trying to come up with some scenarios in my head. Could Kara have been reaching out to you for help? In some way, maybe it was some kind of spiritual connection she had with you that she needed you to reach out to her. I'm not sure, like, what kind of relationship you guys had, if you were close or however it went. But it it, it kind of sounds like part of her was reaching out to you. But on the flip side of that, after you said that it was kind of like almost luring you down into the creek and has got you running across the road all willy-nilly... Like, that almost sounds like something putting you in danger. So that kind of was weird. That is definitely weird. And it just has that, like, it has the classic lady in white to it, you know. But it's almost like it's sprinkled doppelganger on top of it. Yeah, that is weird. It's so bizarre. And I don't think I've ever heard any story quite like this, where it's been, like, almost the mix of two genres yeah, you know it's just it's so bizarre, it's so bizarre. Anyway, I don't. At this point, I wouldn't even know what to guess. Like, because you would initially think a spirit, right? Yeah. But the fact that it looks like your friend completely tosses the curveball because she's still alive. Yeah, and you already ran <clears throat> the scenario of what if it's some type of like future event. Or premonition, but nothing has, has transpired at all yet. Yeah, yet, which I don't really want to think about the yet part of it because that would obviously lead to not very good circumstances there. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's bizarre to say the least. Because, like I said, I've never heard like the mix of a lady in the white and like a doppelganger situation. Very strange. Very, very strange. And what's even better about all this is the fact that this apparently is your mild case and you've got a shitload more to be sharing with us. So we will have almost like a mini stardust before our episode. I know I'm stoked. So it's gonna be sick. He's really he's really sold me on this Australian It's gonna be sick. Stardust ranch. But thank you so much for taking the time to submit your story. Um, I'd normally bombard you with a bunch of questions, but you already answered them. Yeah. So thank you, you for doing your great. homework. If you have a story you'd like to submit, we've already went over that. So rewind. From here, I'm going to look into some cursed objects. I know we talked about like the Kennedy curse a little bit in an earlier episode. This kind of focuses on physical objects that are that supposedly have curses tied to them some of them are really bad like fatally bad some of them are just paranormally bad 
but I've got three or four that I'm going to talk about. First off, I'm going to uh, go with the definition of a curse. That way we can kind of get that out of the way. According to Wikipedia, a curse is any expressed wish that some form of adversity or misfortune will befall or attach to one or more persons, place, or an object. In particular, curse may refer to such a wish or pronouncement made effective by a supernatural or spiritual power, such as a god or gods, a spirit or natural force, or else any kind of spell by magic or witchcraft. In the later sense, a curse can also be called a hex or a jinx. In many belief systems, the curse itself accompanying a ritual is considered to have some causative force in result. To reverse or eliminate a curse is sometimes called a, remo a removal or a breaking, as the spell has to be dispelled, and is often, often requiring elaborate rituals or prayers. Kyle, do you believe in curses? Yeah. You do? That was... You didn't even hesitate. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> the, more, the more we dive into all this shit, the more I definitely believe in... Because I would, I would throw curses in there with like the whole witchcraft thing like yeah. i i definitely believe that that shit is possible i don't know that it's what we think it is i'm still kind of open for debate on that but i do believe that to a degree these things can definitely happen uh you know even if it even if it just came down to like taking away from stardust you're, you you fuck with somebody's luck you know, that could be a, a form of a curse, right? Yeah. You make it to where they have extremely horrible luck, even if it's just a one-time deal. You know, it's still, in my opinion, a form of a curse, you know? Yeah. So I definitely I definitely believe, at least in the possibility of it, without question. Well, you are not alone. Because interesting. curses span across... Almost every culture, probably every culture. Yeah, the, the first ones I think of, right off the rip, is the Egyptian ones on the oh yeah on the sarcophaguses. Yeah, from Africa to Middle Eastern to Mediterranean, German, and they kind of all just melt together in the United States, and everybody's curses kind of end up here. Well, we are a melting pot, so yeah. Not only do they traverse culture, they also traverse time. Curses are mentioned in the Bible. I looked up. Uh, Couple here, according to the Catholic Encyclopedia article on cursing, the Bible depicts God cursing the serpent, the earth, and Cain. Similarly, Noah curses Canaan, and Joshua curses the man who should build the city of Jericho. Um, in various books of the Hebrew Bible, there are a long list of curses against the transgressors of the law. The ten plagues of Egypt preceding the Ten Commandments can be seen as curses, cast from the rods of Aaron and Moses, acting on instructions from the God of Israel in order to enable the enthralled to come free from the yoke and enforce slavery and the like. Curses go on through the New Testament as well. There are many different examples of this if you look through the Bible. Um, as Kyle mentioned, curses are kind of tied in to uh, Egyptian mythology. And we in the West kind of modernize that and like make it real fucking Hollywood. Yeah. So we, we brush them up a little bit, but there are curses tied to Egyptian tombs, crypts, as well as mummies that aren't Egyptian. Like Otzi, the Iceman has a supposed curse of people who came across him, 
uh, when he was found, they didn't have such good luck as that befell. Curses infiltrate our everyday media as well. Your favorite, whether it's your favorite sports team that hasn't won a championship in a hundred years, <laughs> or your favorite Disney character who's plagued by an evildoer and can't fucking wake up until she's cured yeah. from her curse. Touche. What else do I got? People, teams, essentially everything can be cursed, but here are a few cursed items in particular. Objects. I'm going to start with the cream of the crop, the big dog, and that would be the Hope Diamond. The Hope Diamond originated in Collar Mine in India. Some notable owners include King Louis XIV, King Louis XV, Henry Philip Hope, Pierre Cartier, and Evelyn Walsh McLean. The origins of the Hope Diamond have also been sensationalized by Western media. With many stories from the late 19th and 20th centuries say that the original form of the Hope Diamond was stolen from an eye of a sculpted statue of the goddess Sita, the wife of Rama, the seventh avatar of Vishnu. Sounds cool as fuck and a perfect beginning to a curse, doesn't it? It does sound cool. Unfortunately, it was just found in a mine. Like every other fucking diamond is in the world. But there are a lot of tragedies that are supposedly tied to this beautiful giant diamond. I've got a list of them here, and I will read them. I apologize if I butcher the names. Jacques Collette bought the Hope Diamond from Simon Frankel, and he killed himself. So, R.I.P. Yeah, that sucks. Prince Ivan Kanatovsky bought it from Colette, but then was killed by the Russian revolutionists. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc can or kanatovsky loaned it to uh some ledoux can't pronounce his first name but whatever who was then essentially murdered by her sweetheart after coming in contact with the diamond why Wait a minute. Why the fuck would you loan that diamond to somebody? <clears throat> like here, just at, you can borrow it. No at the rollers. time, it was kind of a um, like a like a showpiece social status. You know, yeah. like you wear it out, and right. you're like, "Oh damn, you're big shit." Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes girls sense. call another girl. Yo, can I borrow your necklace? Right. It just and, got a three hundred uh, million dollar diamond on it. Yeah, I'd be like, "Hey, yeah, it's no big deal. <laughs> I've got that money laying around." Um, a man who once sold it to the Turkish to a Turkish sultan was thrown from a parapet along with his young wife and child, who all essentially that died. Sucks. 
Sultan Hamid gave it to Abu Sabir to polish, but later Sabir was imprisoned and tortured to death. Stone guardian Kalib Bey was hung by a mob in Turkey. A Turkish attendant named uh, Haver Aga was hanged for having simply having the diamond in his possession. They're like, oh, how the fuck no. did you get this? Time to die. Um, a taverner who bought the stone who brought the stone from India to Paris was torn to pieces by wild dogs in Constantinople. What the fuck? King Louis gave it to Madame de Montespan, who he later just abandoned and never talked to again. Just ghosted her because of the diamond. Uh, Nicholas Fouquet uh, borrowed it to tempor- temporarily wear, but he ended up being disgraced and passing away in prison not long after. A temporary wearer, Princess de Lambelle, was torn to pieces by a French mob. Jeweler William Falls, who recut the stone not long after, lost his entire fortune and died a ruined man. His son stole the jewel from his father, causing his fortune to fall away. He ended up killing himself. Some years later, Hendrik... uh, some years later, after Hendrik, it was sold to Francis Deliu, who also died in misery and want. Sounds terrible, right? Yeah, uh, the, specifically the ones being torn apart. Yeah. But. And the fact that there was two in that list is <laughs> highly suspect. So, if you got this dope-ass diamond and you want it to gain a lot of traction and worth... But you're in a time where social media doesn't exist, media as a whole doesn't exist. What better way to get people talking about this fucking diamond? But then you would think that they would eliminate 90% of the buyers for it. Apparently not. People are still trying to buy it, borrow this motherfucker. Well, no shit. It's fucking one of the most well-known diamonds on the planet. Yeah, I'd buy it. I wouldn't. <laughs> There's no um, way. Unfortunately, a lot of these accounts cannot be Verified. substantiated. Yeah, well, that kind of goes par for the course in what we do. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they are it speculative. Is, it is at weird, best. man. It is weird if they are true. Like the dude who cut the diamond, who recut the diamond, and then ended up a ruined man. It's like how ironic, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> the son stole it from him, and then the son killed himself. Yeah, like mm, that's not good. No, and I mean, if if any of that's true, that is rather ironic that because. <laughs> You know, you, you have a couple of those on that on that diamond, and you're like, ah, yeah. But you have a long list like that. If they are all, if they were all a hundred percent true, that's a rather interesting list of deaths surrounded with that diamond. You know, that's very strange. It makes me wonder if you took any any substantial object that has a history, if you could connect the dots of tragedy, if you're looking for them. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's probably, a good question. Probably, I feel like you, you could. probably could. You probably could like stretch could. it into whatever you wanted. I feel like you could. If you tried hard enough and you had the you had the full list of all owners and owners' lives, you probably could. They say that uh, once rumors of the diamonds start hitting the West, uh, the mythology surrounding it was further and further fabricated to increase interest in the diamond and help push its price up. Well, we're a bunch of weirdos over here, so I could see that definitely being true. Yeah. There's evidence of several newspaper accounts which help spread the curse story. 
A New Zealand newspaper article in 1888 described the supposedly lurid history of the Hope Diamond, including a claim that it was once said to have formed the single eye of a great idol and as part of a confused uh, description that also claimed its namesake owner had personally brought it from India and that the diamond's true color was white and held in the light it is submit or it is a superb and dazzling blue which is also not that true an article entitled the hope diamond has brought trouble to all who have owned it appeared in the washington post in 1908 an additional account of the hope diamond's curse origins was a fanciful and anonymously written newspaper article in 1909 it was followed by another new york's time article in 1911 which gave the list of the supposed cases of ill fortune which i read earlier um, there's a whole list of people that supposedly have came in contact with the diamond and have not came out on the good end of it. Most of them I've already read. The diamond now currently resides in the Smithsonian National Museum of His Natural History, where it's said that the curse, surprisingly, has went dormant. Well, that's because nobody's touching it. Somebody's got to be touching that one, bitch. I mean, the last time I saw it, it was in Titanic. And that motherfucker was floating <laughs> to the bottom of the ocean. So, so then, so the Smithsonian's at the bottom, bottom of the ocean. No, right they retrieved it. Okay. What about those motherfuckers that touched it? They use a robot hand. Click. Well, it's a robot that touched it. <laughs> well, it's a fucking robot. Nobody cares about it. Well, then, what if the curse trans transfers objects? Now you got a cursed ass robot running around in the ocean, which we don't normally go in, so it's not that big of a deal. It's true. I like, I like where you're going with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm right. But right now, as Man, of... It was probably responsible for sinking the Titanic, so... I think it That's kind of where I was going with that. That rose through in the ocean. I know. That's fucking her fault. Yeah, and look what happened to... Who was the guy? Leonardo. Jack, he drowned. Froze to death. And then drowned. In that order. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> right now, it res resides in the Smithsonian... It has an estimated price of two hundred to three hundred and fifty million dollars. I would take that chance. Oh, one hundred percent. I probably would too. One hundred percent. I probably would too. So because like three hundred fifty million dollars, you want to tear me to pieces? Just let me enjoy it for like a year. That shit would suck being torn to pieces, but that's a lot of money. Yeah. Like we could definitely quit our jobs and podcast full time for three hundred fifty million. Yeah. yeah, we could probably make that work for sure. Next, we have another little fatal object known as the Bassano vase. I'm gonna start this story out. Nobody actually knows that the vase exists. Interesting. Its whereabouts right now are unknown. So a lot of people could deem that as stripping it of all credibility but in our world it kind of makes it a little more credible because makes it a little more fucking creepy because now nobody knows where the fuck it is well and on top of that you know damn good and well that there are select items out there that are on the quote unquote may not exist list that some of these rich motherfucking <laughs> collectors have bet me I'm, bet me i'm not arguing i know a thing or two i watch a lot of fucking tv he does and the beauty of that is, is that if the vase doesn't exist, you can't like test it. Yeah. Like you, you can, you just have stories. There aren't any direct witnesses to the power of the vase, only the stories that have been passed around that surround it. Which is bizarre. 
there's not even a backstory as to how or why the vase became so deadly. Weird. Like with the Hope Diamonds, like, oh, it was plucked from the eye of this Indian goddess statue. It's like you said, that makes for a good story. Yeah, 100%. From what we know from the accounts is that the vase is a simple silver design, about four pounds, and was made sometime in the 15th century in Italy as a wedding gift. It's listed on multiple object as one object. <clears throat> it's listed on multiple websites as one of the most haunted objects known to mankind. That's so weird. That's fucking sick. That's so weird. But I mean, it already like subtly, like low key. It's all silver. It was made for a wedding. It's definitely cursed, without question. That's what I'm like. Saying. It's so subtle that it's like, yep, this thing's a dick. It's gotta be legit. Yeah. That, right? Yeah. Absolutely. The first account of the vase was in the 15th century in a small town north of Napoli, Italy. Legend says the vase was given to a young bride to be on the night before her wedding. Some suggest it was a good-natured gift that someone gave to her unknowingly, while others say possibly a jealous lover. I was just getting ready to say. Pass that motherfucker on. Straight up jelly move. And regardless of the intentions. You're taking my man. This young woman never made it to her wedding. That sucks. Because guess what? She's dead. That's not surprising. She was fucking with a cursed vase. Some people say that she was murdered. Other people don't really give an an explanation at all. All that we know is that very little information remains from this account, including the names of the bride and the husband. It's just kind of become a cautionary tale. And what's strange about that is that the fact that that story transpired through time. Where there's smoke, like there's that's, fire, That's dog. super strange, because you could definitely see some little asshole making up this story, but the fact that it it basically got passed through generations makes it more bizarre. Yeah, that it's stuck with. Yeah. After the vase was given to another... After that, the vase was given to another family member. Same conclusion, an untimely death shortly after receiving it. It was then passed to a third member of the same family who also died shortly after taking possession of the vase. At this point, the family's like, fuck, this is probably not good. So we're going to stop passing this motherfucker around. So they hid it. There's several claims as to how it was hidden. Some say it was buried while others speak of it being hidden by a priest locked away in a church or some other holy resting place. Bottom of the Vatican. That's where it's at right now. Dude, I wouldn't doubt it. Kyle solved it. You know, and it's just like listening to this just makes me think, and it it even cements my my theory even more that there are people out there. I mean, there's probably fucking collectors. Like, well, there are. That's where I was going. Baggins is collecting all. Look at what Hitler was doing in World War II. He was raiding all them places for them sacred objects. That's true too. So I I guarantee to you there are people out there that nobody knows about that are collecting this weird shit. Zach Baggins and Hitler. Wait. I mean, there's a connection there. I didn't argue with We solved it. <laughs> solved. But after they said that the priest locked it away in some church or some holy resting place, prayed over it and all this shit, the vase disappears for hundreds of years. What happened to the vase from the time of the family is pretty much unknown, but it was discovered again in... 1988. Weird. 
bringing more hardship and death right along with this silver motherfucker. Because I was gonna say that if you were, even if it's, even if it's not real, but if you were convinced that that thing was cursed, you could totally see a priest or somebody from back then hiding it somewhere. Oh yeah, locking it away. They're, they're, this this base killed three people and they'd be yep. like, "Fuck that!" Yeah, and, and they would they would stash it somewhere, douche it with holy water, and then place yeah. it somewhere, bury yeah. it under an altar. And then, lo and behold, somebody later on digs in that place or or stumbles on the remodels mystery, remodels the church, or remodels some shit. the church, and they're like, "Whoa, shit! Look at this thing. This thing's old as hell." And then they die. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um. The rediscovery of it said it was found by an unsuspecting young man who had dug it up somewhere. Again, the lack of specifics kind of is a commonality in these stories. So we don't have any locations. We don't have any names. Some say the guy dug it up in his yard. Well, other versions just skip over where he found it in at all. They're like, fuck it, he just found it. It said that the ba- the Bassano vase was buried with a note that stated, Beware, this vase brings death. Apparently, this warning had little effect on the dude who found it. Yeah, because he was thinking he's going to get rich. <clears throat> yep. He was only looking at financial ramifications of the there item, and he said, Fuck this message, and threw it away. The vase was quickly auctioned off, sans the warning note, for 4 million Italian lire, which is $2,540 US, to a pharmacist. We don't know the name of the auction house, we don't know the name of the buyer, and we don't know the name of the man who sold it. But we do know that this poor pharmacist died merely three months after buying this vase, and his family then sold the vase to a doctor who himself died at the age of 37, also a few months later. Weird. It was sold again to an archaeologist who was a collector of artifacts. It's, he's the collector. Ding, ding, ding. Again, within three mere months, he too had perished. His cause of death was a mysterious infection. The the causes of death in other modern-day victims have not been detailed, though. The stories continued with one last tale. Information about the last owner is even thinner than the previous ones, except for the fact that he died less than a month after taking possession of the vase. The string of deaths had not gone unnoticed, and the Bassano vase became unsellable. No markets would even handle it. For to believe the stories at this time, a family member of the last victim was said to have thrown it out a window in an attempt to break free of the curse. They're like, just fuck it. Yeah, that's not I'm out of here. This, however, sparred further tragedy, as the story will not simply just end with it being thrown out of the window. The vase almost struck a police officer who retrieved it with the intention of finding the person that threw it at him. It said that the family accepted the fine for littering but refused to take the vase back. The police officer attempted to place the artifact in a museum, but word had already circulated about the vase being cursed. So strong was the belief that no institution would accept it. Um, This fact seems somewhat difficult to comprehend since most of the world's Egyptian artifacts, as well as other things such as the Hope Diamond are suspected to be cursed, but museums gobble them motherfuckers right right up. few versions of the story tell of one police officer who could feel the negative energy of the vase before he took it upon himself to dispose of it. The Bassano vase is said to be reburied right now at an undisclosed location. Some people say it's buried in a lead box. Others say in the holy ground of a cemetery. Some versions say both. As Hmm. you can see... um, the details are sketch as fuck. Yeah. 
it changes with who's telling it. Uh, my source here that I read from said, in researching the history of the vase, there's no shortage of different theories and angles. Many paranormal sites go out of their way to add verbiage to kind of make the tale more creepy, make it more interesting, yeah, make it a much stronger story than it really is. But I don't know, man. It's on the top ten list of cursed items pretty much everywhere you go. I could see it being real. And some, I... some things to think about, though. I looked up. They said the vase is made of silver, which and it was made in the 15th century, which if you look, that is a very uncommon material to be made at that time period. Porcelain was like a big fucking deal at that time. Right. And... With silver, if you look into like the mystical and the paranormal side of silvers, silver is always what is is always like on the side of good. Yeah, you know what I mean. So to try, true, you'd have to have a really strong fucking curse to be placed on a four ton chunk or a four pound chunk of silver. Right. So that kind of makes it a little questionable as well. Yeah, I mean, but I do have do have a call to arms here for all you crazy ass collectors out there get a hold of us i'd be interested in talking to some of you who have these off the book yeah no shit like if anybody crazy collects, shit. collects cursed items yeah holler at us yeah we'd like to talk i know our For friend sure. our friend emily collects a bunch of weird dolls but she said she doesn't think any of them are cursed or haunted because nothing weird has happened yeah yet. that's a plus but I just, how interesting would it be to talk to somebody who has like these ultra rare, highly sought after paranormal items or just even like, like paranormal what you would black call market. Yeah. Like what you would call your, your sacred items, like things that people fucking scour the planet for. Like the spear of eternity. <laughs> yes. If you have that, please let's talk. Send it to us. Dude, yeah. The Ark of the Covenant, the Holy Grail, send that shit to us. Yeah, we will. We need it for the podcast room, because right now all we got is how a bunch fucking, of stickers. How ridiculous would that be if we just had the Spear of Destiny just yeah, nailed Destiny, to the wall? <laughs> just It just nailed to the wall, like, check this out, guys. <laughs> that would, that would, It'd I, be horrible. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a, a it would just, response. It would, it would be, not only would it be fascinating to talk to people like that but it would be insane to know that those people are legit real and these items there's gotta be bro well i mean they look at all the shit the vatican has that i mean i know it's just talk but supposedly the the basement of the vatican is chock full the smithsonian of shit like this. too yeah like all the giant mythology and shit that supposedly goes to the smithsonian but is never seen again touche Oh, man, if anybody works at the Smithsonian, tell us all the fucked up shit you guys got. Yeah, no doubt. Sick. And get us in so we can see giant bones. Bigfoot bones. Maddox oh. once told me, he's like, hey, Dad, if you ever want to get rich, all you got to do is find a Bigfoot bone. He's he, not wrong. He was about four years old. Said, he's you know not what? wrong. You're fucking on to something, kid. He is not Sick. wrong. My neck, I got two more, and they're not as uh, fatal, but still weird. And I thought they were interesting, so I'll bring them up. First, we have the Hexham Heads. The Hexham Heads were a pair of small stone heads about 6 centimeters high found in 1971 in the English town of Hexham. The heads became associated with alleged paranormal phenomenon, but their exact origin is a point of controversy. 
The heads were originally dug up by two boys, Colin and Leslie Robson, who found them in a garden in 1971. A number of sources, again, the, mu- the water was muddied, state the year as 70, 71, or 72. After the discovery, the Robson family reported a ton of strange phenomenon, with the heads allegedly being moved when no one was in the room, bottles being mysteriously thrown across the room. The Dodd family next door to the Robsons also reported weird phenomenon, with one of the boy's hair being pulled in the night and his mother, Nellie, seeing a half-man, half-goat figure leaving the house shortly afterwards. That sucks. That's crazy. Fucking goat man. Yeah. Like, these ones... Definitely sound just like legit, like somebody put a curse on it. And and maybe they were fucking around one day and they did it and they're like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and bury these things in the yard because they are really starting to get trippy. (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm going to bury them in the neighbor's yard. People get desperate. Yeah. Like if if the vase is killing everyone in your family, you're just like, fuck this thing and just throw it out the window. Absolutely. Hit a cop in the face. And he snacks it up, and he's like, well, guess what? I'm dead. (laughs) Next, the heads were given to a Dr. Ann Ross. She's an expert in uh, Celtic artifacts. According to Dr. Ross's own account, she woke up one morning and saw a part wolf, part man figure walk out of her room. She followed it downstairs, saw it heading toward the direction of the kitchen, but then lost track of it. A few days later, her daughter Bernice Bernice told her that after returning home from school, she saw a large, dark, werewolf-like figure on the stairs that jumped over the banisters and into a corridor before vanishing. The wolf is believed to have some relation to the Hexham wolf that killed livestock in the winter of 1904. Ross also reported the feeling of a cold presence, her study door bursting open with no apparent cause, and another apparent sighting of a dark figure. Knowing uh, Dodd's experience, Dr. Ross equated all of these phenomena with the Hexham heads, and the incidents allegedly stopped when she removed the two Celtic heads in her position out of the house. So that's kind of weird that previous to this happening, there were reports of this Hexham wolf cryptid that was killing livestock in the same city how many years, 70 years before. Right. Maybe someone to get rid of the Hexham wolf tied it to those heads, buried that shit. Possible. And then when they dug it up, oh, here's the goat man. Oh, here's werewolves. Yeah, it's absolutely possible. A man named Desmond Craigie reported that he was the creator of the heads, making them in 1956 for his daughter while he was living in the house later occupied by the Robson family, along with a third head that became damaged he had thrown away. Craigie, who worked for a company that dealt in concrete at the time, he allegedly created the heads, made some replicas to demonstrate his claim and how well he did them. However, these replicas were so shit that no one believed him. They're like, oh, dude, when you get out that, of here, dog. When you said that, the first saw the can on mine was Cloud Chaser. That's yeah. all he is. He's like, fuck yeah, I made them. Yeah. I'm going to make some more if you guys yeah. don't chill out. Well, and he's, he's trying to push his concrete head making business. <laughs> yeah, that's all he's fucking doing. That get out of here with that shit. He's like, yo. Check out how Check out my Etsy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. He's cloud chasing. Uh, the original heads were analyzed by Professor Deerman of the University of Newcastle, who concluded that the items had been molded artificially rather than carved, which also leads to the fact that they might be more modern as opposed to old. The original heads were later given to another man, but him and the heads vanished, and their whereabouts are... Unknown. Unknown. 
Because that's what happens with all this shit. Of course it does. Why wouldn't it? Because it's it's not known. I, I think it's fascinating, nevertheless. I, you know, and like I said, I, if they if this ever gets to anybody who collects this fucking shit, and it's you're it's serious. You're not just fucking clout chasing. You're not trying to mess with us. But you're you're dead serious. Let's talk. Because yeah. that would be an extremely interesting conversation. Fuck yeah. Even if it had, I mean, no offense to all of our listeners, but even if it had to be 100% off the book, that just knowing the fact that there are people out there that chase these things. That's what I'm going to start doing. Would be fucking bizarre. I'm going to throw this out here right now. If any of you want to go on eBay and buy a cursed item and send it to us, do it. Here's my shipping address, P.O. Box 145, Field in Illinois, 62031, Hollow Sky Podcast. Send us some cursed shit. Preferably nothing that's going to make me die, but if it does, yeah. also still don't care. <laughs> cool. My last one, I've got a cursed painting because this is another aspect that uh, is kind of common in the cursed object world. This painting is called The Hands Resist Him. That's um, weird. Yeah, it's creepy. It is creepy. Uh, my source here is the lineup. I'm just going to kind of read you little tidbits from the article because we're running out of time. This painting, it's disturbing whether it's fucking cursed or not. I agree. Uh, it shows a young boy standing next to a girl doll. She doesn't have any fucking eyes. It's creepy. She has hollow eyes and a sad downturned mouth. The doll is holding a strange device with wires coming out of it. It kind of looks like a bomb, but I don't know. He's got like a tin head. He's got a big ass forehead. Yeah. If it's cursed, I didn't mean anything by that. Don't haunt me. He's just looking at us like he's pissed. He's squinting at us. He's he, glaring right. You know what his face kind of reminds me of? That is that, that Vigo guy from you? Ghostbusters too. Yeah, Vigo. Yeah, Vigo. That's what's the that? Carpathian. Great. The so weirdest your house part. Is gonna fill with pink ooze. That's fine. Whatever. Let it eat. Uh, the eeriest part of the painting is that there are a whole bunch of fucking little kids' hands in this window in the background just kind of reaching out. I didn't notice that at first. Yeah, well, they're there. Yeah, they're definitely there. It's fucking weird. But as with any kind of curse, there are a bunch of stories that come with it. It was painted in 1972 by William Stoneham, who was on contract to produce two pairs of paintings for 200 a month. In 1974, was put on display at a gallery in Beverly Hills. Um, it was reviewed by an art critic in the Los Angeles Times. And I don't know why that's in there. It doesn't matter. This is where the story gets weird. A few years after the painting was sold, the art critic, Henry Seldes, died. That's why it is. Then the gallery owner died. So I told you guys this wasn't fatal, but I lied because now I'm now reading this and dropping. everybody's dying. 1984... John Marley died. I don't know who John Marley is. He probably touched the painting. Oh. He was it said that the or that the painting was purchased by the actor John Marley, best known for waking up next to the horse's head in The Godfather. Okay. So he bought the painting. He croaked. RIP John Marley. Anybody who would buy this painting is a little weird anyways. The painting disappeared, not resurfacing again until 2000 in a bizarre post on eBay. New owners said they were trying to sell it because it was haunted. Their claims included that the boy and the doll in the picture would fight each other at night, that terrifying their four-year-old daughter. They set up motion sensor camera in the room for three nights and claimed they captured the boy in the picture, leaving the frame 
and coming into the room, r- fleeing in terror. That gives me goosebumps, bro. You and you know what? On top of that, prove it. Let's see the video. Let's go. <laughs> Skeptics might think it was a marketing ploy because these curses definitely are not that, but they are. The owners warned buyers not to bid on the painting if they were faint of heart or unfamiliar with supernatural events. More than 30,000 people visited the auction page. Many reported just looking at the painting made them feel, feel ill or upset. I, feel I will post I will post a picture of the painting on the social medias. I feel weird that way looking you at guys, that dude. That way you guys can stare into it and see if it makes you want to throw I don't, up. I don't, Kyle's not feeling good right now. It gives me goosebumps looking in his eyes. Because he's looking right at you, dog. He does. It does feel like he's looking right at me. You need to avert your eyes, you little punk. <laughs> Because I'll kick Steve's computer and break it in half. Yeah, don't do that, though. I'll tell you what, if I get a copy of this painting and this little motherfucker comes out, he better be paying rent. That's what I'm saying. Well, he's going to get choke slammed. <laughs> the painting sold for $1,000, $1,025 to a buyer in Michigan who is reportedly keeping it in his storage and refusing much, much bigger offers to sell it. Why? Because the internet sensation Stoneham came forward with what inspired him to paint such a haunting scene. The boy, he said, was himself. It was modeled after a picture taken when he was five. The title comes from a poem written by his then wife. It reads, in part, the hands resist him like the secret of his birth. Um, yada, yada, yada. In 2016, Daryl Kyle O'Neill published a dramatized account of the notorious haunted artwork entitled The Hands Resistant, Be Careful What You Bid For. His narrative uses the painting as a basis for a fictional tale about a serial killer known as the Life Swapper. Unsurprisingly, O'Neill had his own eerie experience with the artwork. This is a quote from O'Neill. I first saw it online when I was living in Dubai. I printed it out and left it on the side table next to some other documents printed on the same printer with the same paper. Anyway, when I went Anyway, I went to Italy for a month. When I came back, the air conditioning had gone out and everything was green with mold. The TV, the bed sheets, my daughter's cot, everything, all of my suits in the closet, all of the documents I had printed were all green. But right next to them, the only thing that was untouched was a copy of the painting that I had printed out. That's bizarre. That even so copies cool. of the painting. So, yeah, that's what I got. On some cursed objects. I know there are a ton of other supposedly cursed objects. James Dean's car, uh, Robert the doll, Annabelle the doll. Just go to Zach Baggins' occult museum and you'll see a whole ton of cursed ass shit. Um, The Warrens collected a whole bunch of haunted and cursed stuff. Like There are numerous, numerous cursed objects. That being said, if anybody has any cursed objects or objects you think are cursed that you would like to share with us, Shoot us an email, and we'll talk about it. Yeah, for sure. If anybody comes across anything that's supposedly cursed, and it's not unreasonable, and you want to buy it and send it to us, you can do that too. Just revert back to where I sent our shipping address. For sure. You want to give me a copy of this hands-resistant painting? I'll put it in Kyle's house. No, I don't think so. I'll put it in my house. It'll go in your house. Fuck it. Let it eat. Anyway, that's my cursed objects. Kyle believes in curses. I let me take a look at my life. Yeah, I believe in curses. So let's hear what you think about them. Let's go. Until next time. Stay weird. Or check us out at all our social medias: Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok. Come and hang out with us. 
tell us about your curses. Until next time, stay safe, stay weird, send us some curse shit. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.